Thank you for listening to this podcast from Renew San Diego, a church for the good of all our neighbors in North Park, San Diego. If you're ever in the area on Sunday mornings, we'd love to welcome you. More information at renewsandiego.org. Share with a friend. See you soon. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, one who is bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. A reading of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. When the hour came, he took his place at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But see, The one who betrays me is with me, 
and his hand is on the table. For the Son of Man is going as it has been determined. But woe to that one by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to ask one another, which one of them it would be who would do this? A dispute also arose among them as to which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest. But he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, the greatest amongst you must become like the youngest, and the leader like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. If you guys would like to take a seat, you're welcome to remain standing if you'd like, but there's chairs here okay. and there. <laughs> I have to say, it seemed clear from the beginning of planning this service that there would be no communal foot washing this year. After a year of various levels of lockdown and isolation, we feel the privilege of simply gathering together outside and being able to enjoy a simple meal in one another's physical presence. It was a joy to look across this lot and see Lori and Mary laughing together at a table together. Again, a true luxury after this past year. So we do not need the once-a-year foot washing to remind us that this is a special night. We hear the stories of Jesus' last night with his closest friends, a story that brings us close to the depths of God's love, forgiveness, and sacrificial self-offering. And we already know we ought to pay close attention. We know this. But I have to admit that I have heard this story dozens of times before. And it took me many years, even decades, before noticing a few basic things about the order of operations, about the implications for my life with God and in the world. So usually we focus on the foot washing, on what it tells us about the manner in which God loves us. And how then we are commanded to love others, humbly, up close, and personal, warts and all. And this is important because we are often tempted to make love abstract. Both the love that God has for us and the love that then we must share with others. But there is nothing abstract about foot washing. And there is nothing abstract about how God loves us and how then our own love is manifest to other creatures and even to God. It's a subversive truth about the nature of love, this specificity. But there is another subversive truth about how this actually works woven into John's gospel account this evening. A truth about the order of love, how we might love most fully and deeply as we yearn to. And the gospel order 
is always a surprise. To humans intent on self-determination and praiseworthy performance. First, be loved. Then, love. First, receive Jesus' love. Then, pass it on. First, know, realize, appreciate the ways God tends to you and is moving in your life. Then, do. First, understand. Then, act. Did you notice that Jesus himself follows this pattern in verse 3 of our gospel reading tonight? Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around his waist. Even Jesus doesn't operate as a lone ranger, riding solo to show off his impressive virtue, his worthiness as the Beloved. Even Jesus loved the world out of the security he already had from his loving Father. Even he first received love and then passed it on. If that's the order for the Son of God, who do we think we are to short-circuit the process? Maybe we're just a little like Peter, thinking for any number of reasons that Jesus shouldn't have to wash our feet. We don't want to create extra unnecessary work for the Lord. And it's a subtle form of pride, but one rampant in my own heart and in our American culture. We live in a world that tells us to work then rest, that tells us to serve if we expect to be served, that tells us to love first if we want to be loved. And when we think of God at all as Americans, it seems we are prone to thinking that we must do great things for God, serve until we get a gold star for service, and earn the Lord's goodwill. Now don't get me wrong, service and work are very much a part of a faithful life. But tonight and every night, we are invited to let Jesus turn the tables on the order of operations. First, sit with Christ. First, let Christ wash your feet. Then, walk in love. Then stand against the forces of darkness with the security and weight of divine love in your soul. I know for a fact that most of you here tonight, in person or online, are devoted and loving and humble and self-giving servants of the Lord. You walk many miles in service to God. You stand against evil in ways seen and unseen. You humble yourself and use your hands to care for other people 
and the earth. If you are tired, if you are weary, I hope you will not hear tonight's gospel reading as a whip over your psyche, telling you to get down on your knees more often. I hope you will hear it as a gentle reminder about the gospel blueprint that is written tonight and all over the New Testament. Grace, then fruits. Forgiveness, then faithfulness. Loved, then loving. First, always first. Take time to receive the gifts and loving actions of God in Christ. Washing, tender care, intimate knowledge of what is yours to do and to whom you belong in life and in death. The reading in the Gospel of John begins with knowing that his hour had come. And whenever I read the hour had come, the, that line from the Prince's Bride comes to mind. You, you keep on using that word. It, I do not think it means what you think it means. Because we use the word hour in a very different way when we talk about a person. So if you watch the Academy Awards and someone wins and they say, that's the, that's the man of the hour, that's the woman of the hour. After the NCAA basketball tournaments, there will be a team at the top. And that will be the team of the hour. Hour usually for us means glory, victory, success, brilliance, dazzling popularity. But in the Gospel of John, Jesus' hour always means his moment of going to death on the cross. For Jesus, his weighty, authoritative glory to renew and restore everything is going to be done upside down. It's going to be done with a reversed economy. It's going to be done not from, by crushing from above, by li lifting up from below. His hour had come. It says, having loved his own, he loved them to the end. Now, I'm not going to nerd out on all of the Greek construction there, but it doesn't say he loved them till the end of his earthly ministry. It says he loved him to the fullness. He loved them to the completion. He loved them so that their cup was overflowing. This was the full definition of love. On Tuesday night, my wife Florence and I did a Zoom meeting on couples and relationships and all of that. A friend who had been a part of Renew Church moved to L.A. She's a playwright, and she has a bunch of playwright friends, I guess, that wanted to talk about relationships, and so they asked us if they could ask us some questions. And we were talking about love. And it dawned on me that if you walk down 30th Street and you ask anybody at any of these cafes or pubs or restaurants, how do you define love? You're going to get as many answers as people that you ask. Right? Love is that amazingly beautiful feeling you get when you're with the person that you should be with. Love is knowing that you're not alone because this other person completes you. Right? Don't, uh, don't love the one you're with. Be, with. be with the one you can't live without. You hear all these different things. They're not bad. But they're not full because they're, as their starting point, it's asking the question, what can this person do for me? 
But love doesn't start with, what can you do for me? Love always starts with pouring out. Jesus actually defined love when he said, greater love has no one than the one who lays down their life for another. So put all of that together into this great confluence of, in his hour of glory, he has loved them completely by pouring himself out fully on their behalf. And what does he do in that moment? He washes them and he feeds them. Now, this is a whole other sermon, but I do find it fascinating. Those are pictures of the two sacraments that we have in the church. Baptism, where you're washed, cleansed, renewed, and the Lord's table where we're fed and nourished and sent out. He washes them and he cleans them. And he not only does that, but notice who's at the table. When I throw a party, I invite my friends. I invite the people I like. I invite the people I like to talk to. When Jesus is going to celebrate a meal, he has his friends there. And he has Judas there who's about to betray him. And he has Peter there who he knows will deny even knowing him within 24 hours. He invites the people around his table that belong and the people that have no business being there. Jesus' love always goes first. You know, one of the funny things about these foot washing services that I've noticed over the years, if, when, when you actually bring out the, the water and the soap and the towels and all of that, Almost everyone who comes to have their feet ceremonially washed has already taken a shower within an hour before because we don't want to put our dirty feet in front of somebody else. But Jesus doesn't go to the people who have already been cleaned up, the people that have already been perfumed up and smell good and putting on their Sunday best. Jesus goes to the people that not only don't belong there because of their temperament, personality, social status, whatever, but because they're kind of bad people. And he says, I want you at my table. I want to feed you. I want to cleanse you. He goes to the people that deserve it, and he goes to the people that don't deserve it, because guess what? None of us deserve it. Some of us clean up better than others. Some of us hide our issues better than others. Some of us present better than others. But deep down, each of us at some point knows that you are a beautiful mess, and that's okay. He sees you in all your complexity, in all your contradictions, in the ways you get it, in the ways you don't get it, and he says, I want you at my table. I want to cleanse you. I want to feed you. And that's what this meal is. This meal reminds us of what his love to the fullest looks like in his life, death, and resurrection. This meal is one in which we not only commune with one another, but we commune with him as he nourishes us, giving us the nutrition we need to follow him on this great journey. We are reunited with God, reconnected with each other, and redirected outward in mission to serve the world. This meal prefigures another meal we find described in the closing pages of Scripture. And what's the picture? People of every ethnicity and culture and language streaming together around the throne of Christ, who's made all things new. It's a banquet. It's a wedding reception. It's a toast to the captain of our salvation, who's made all things new. Every, every tear is wiped from every eye. Every injustice is done away with. Death itself is no more. And so even now, we eat and drink with great hope for that coming day. And so here's the question. As we conclude this Lenten season, as we prepare to walk with Jesus toward the cross tomorrow, as we long for resurrection on Easter Sunday, what's that part of your life right now that you're saying, Jesus, I actually don't think you want to touch this area of my life. Please stay out of it. And hear him say, I already see it. I already know you. 
and I love you more than you love yourself. Second question, what does it look like for you to go and do likewise? As he washes, this is a picture of the great commissioning ministry that he sends those who would be his friends on. Who's around you? Where are the pain points in your home or on your street or in your building or your office? What does it look like to move toward the pain points of others? And finally, don't try this without the gospel because you will be exhausted. You will be anxious, you will be nervous, and you will be worn out. Remember, he always moves first toward you and me. As he has loved us, we love one another. Amen. These are the prayers of the people. Father, on this night, the night he was betrayed, your son, Jesus Christ, washed his disciples' feet. We commit ourselves anew to following his example of love and service. Lord, hear our prayer and, and humble, humble us. us. On this night, Jesus prayed for his disciples to be one. We pray for the unity of your church, especially in this nation, where Christian witness is divided and often conflicted, both publicly and within families. Lord, hear our prayer and, and unite us. us. On this night, Jesus prayed for those who were to trust in you through their ministry. We pray for the mission of your church throughout the world and especially ask for your continued blessing, guidance, provision, and protection upon the ministries and people of Renew, St. Luke's, and Christ Church Coronado, that we might continue to bear witness to your kingdom manifest in justice, wholeness, truth, and beauty. Lord, hear our prayer and, and renew, renew our zeal. zeal. On this night, Jesus commanded them to love, but suffered rejection himself. We pray for the rejected and betrayed, especially those in our city suffering from loneliness and isolation, our unhoused neighbors, those afflicted by mental illness without adequate care, children, youth, and adults rejected by their families, and asylum seekers who have found no safe place to lay their heads at home or abroad. Lord, hear our prayer and, and fill, fill us, us with, with your, your love. love. On this night, Jesus reminded them that if the world hates them, it hated him first. We pray for those who are persecuted for their faith, especially Christians in the nations where it is most dangerous to follow your ways in Jesus' name. North Korea, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Eritrea, Yemen, Iran, Nigeria, and India. Lord, hear our prayer and give, and give us, us your, your peace. peace. On this night, Jesus accepted the cup of death and looked forward to the new wine of the kingdom. 
we remember those who have died. Lord, hear our prayer and, and welcome, welcome all, all your children, children into, into paradise. paradise. On this night, Jesus knew that he would be betrayed and abandoned by even those closest to him, and yet offered the cup of forgiveness through his words and sacrifice. We confess that our own discipleship has often been weak. We have failed to love one another as Jesus loves us. We have been happy to proclaim our devotion to Jesus with our lips and then denied him by our actions. Have mercy upon us. Lord, hear our prayer and empower, and empower us, us by, by your, your forgiving, forgiving spirit to be faithful. Almighty God, as we stand at the foot of the cross of your Son, help us to see and know your love for us, so that in humility, love, and joy, we may place at his feet all that we have and all that we are. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you.